God bless him. God bless him. Let's give him a good bend there. Welcome to this pulpit. He's at home. He's at home. I wonder would you lift your voice like a trumpet to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come on, anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Would you make his praise glorious? God, I glorify you. I magnify your holy name. Come on, somebody ought to lift up your voice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You ought to tell him how much you love him, how much you adore him, how awesome he is. Come on, has he been good to you tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. There's no place I'd rather be than to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. How many knows we serve a faithful God? Amen. An awesome God. He is a prayer answering God. He hears and answers. Amen. If you would only but call on his name. How many's ever called on the name of the Lord and found him faithful? Amen. Uh, you can be seated for a few moments. My, uh, my wife had typed me out a nice little thank you letter uh, to read to this church, but uh, I don't have it. I don't know where, where it is. Amen. So I'm just going to wing it like I do when I'm preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, Brother Moore said, I got all night. I was only going to preach 15 minutes, but I think I'm going to multiply that by 10 or so. And uh, no, I'm just picking. I'd have to get five or six messages to preach if I was going to preach that long. <laughs> Amen. But no, we are just thankful and uh, did want to say uh, thank you uh, to everyone when we were here uh, for 13 weeks or so, 12, 13 weeks, however long it was. Uh, for all the meals that was cooked, all the hospitality. Amen. I know I thanked some of you, uh, but some of you weren't around, so I just wanted to make sure everybody knew how thankful we were for all of y'all's hospitality, kindness. Amen. We just feel at home here in Bendale. Amen. Y'all took us under your wing. Amen. Been good to us, threatened to take the tongue off my trailer. Amen. I didn't bring it with me tonight. I left it. At the home church, amen, <laughs> hallelujah. I don't know if Sister Moore sabotaged my truck or not, amen, <laughs> but we got it running again, so we was able to escape and get out of here, amen, <laughs> but we were thankful to be back tonight, and uh, during the time we were here, mo all of you are aware, amen, we had Braden with us, and during that time we transitioned him uh, back to his mother, uh, which was a, a good thing um, for a child to be with his mother. And so we were uh, thankful for God's hand of restoration. Uh, but I would be silly to, and lying to try to tell you that it wasn't hard and it didn't hurt, uh, that we wasn't attached and all those things. So, amen. But the hand of God was with us. And so um, that transition that we walked through, uh, we began immediately uh, to pray, and my little girl, McKenna, she began to pray uh, for Mama to have another child, and uh, this wonderful church here rallied around us and supported us, uh, and y'all prayed over us, so I felt like it would only be fit to make a public announcement here in Bendale that there is a baby Rouse on the way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be here in January 2023. Amen. I want to tell you, God is a prayer answering God. Amen. He is an awesome God. He doesn't forget about us. Amen. 
I said he doesn't forget about us. Hallelujah. And if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse number 28. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 28. And I do want to say what an honor it is to be here tonight. Amen. I give honor to Pastor Moore. I give honor to Sister Moore, family, this church family. I give honor to my pastor, Brother Spears, for teaching and preaching the word of truth to me and my family. How many knows you got to have truth to be saved? I said, how many knows you got to have truth to be saved? Hallelujah. And, uh, and that God's word is truth. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? But he was looking at truth. Amen. The word made flesh. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? If you would turn to Isaiah chapter 49, beginning with verse 14, Isaiah 49. Jesus in Luke, where we just read, he's talking common sense to these people. And he's saying, which of you, if you had a thought to build a building, to build a tower, would not sit down first and figure up the cost? I mean, you can say you're going to build something. But if you only got $5 in your pocket, you're not going to make it very far, Brother Ferguson. You're going you're to find out, hey, I just, I just overstepped my bounds. There ain't no way I'm going to make this happen. But Jesus said, first you sit down and you figure up how much it's going to cost. And then you decide, do I have enough to pay for this? Do I have enough to see this to its completion, until it's finished, until it's done? Amen. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14, it says, But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Jesus said, he asked the question, can a woman forget her sucking child? And sadly, God had to answer, yeah, she may forget. But he left a promise that said, yet, even though others may forget about you, I will not forget thee. I wonder, would you lay your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands with me right now all across this house? I wonder, would you begin to pray for the Lord to open up your mind, open up your heart, to open up your understanding? I wonder, would you begin to pray for the Lord to talk to your spirit? I wonder, would you be willing to allow God to have his way in your life? Would you yield yourself to him tonight? Lord Jesus, I come before you. God, I pray that you'd empty me of myself, my own ideas, my own opinions. God, I pray that you would fill me with your holy anointing. God, I pray that you'd move and work in this house, God. Bind up the brokenhearted, set every captive soul free. God, fill somebody with the back baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight, God. Uh, help somebody to make a fresh commitment, God. Uh, Lord, a fresh desire, a fresh dedication, God. Uh, Lord, to see you and to know you and to experience you in the power of your glory, God. Uh, Lord, I know that it is your anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. Uh, God, open up the prison doors to them that are bound in their minds and in their spirit and in their thinking, God. Uh, Lord, there is nothing too hard for you, nothing that you cannot accomplish in this house tonight, God. Uh, I admit my dependence upon 
upon you, Lord. Use me as an instrument, uh, as a tool in the palm of your hand, God. Uh, and if any good thing would happen in this house tonight, Lord, let it be said uh, that it was because of your anointing. I wonder, would you clap your hands one more time? Would somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph? Oh, yes, God, I give you glory. God, I give you praise. You're an awesome Savior. You're an awesome God. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody ought to shout out the name of Jesus. I said somebody ought to shout out that name. That name that is above every other name. Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus, somebody say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm going to pick on the sound man a little bit tonight. I got, I got two titles, brother. I got a title and a subtitle. You think you can handle that? Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, we all know what time of year it is. Amen. Tomorrow we'll be celebrating Independence Day. I think most people's probably already started. Amen. There's just something about a holiday gets people excited and being off of work. Man, they should try being an evangelist. You ain't got to work very much being an evangelist. <laughs> uh, we go to work on holidays, praise God. <laughs> I want to preach to you tonight what the Lord has laid on my heart. I do feel a, a burden, and uh, I want to do my best to obey the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? I want to talk to you about the cost of freedom. Amen. And his hands remind him. Amen. The cost of freedom. His hands remind him. When the 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence, they knew they were committing treason against England, and they knew that the penalty for this treason was death. 25 of these men were lawyers. 11 of these men were successful merchants. Nine were farmers or large plantation owners. One was a teacher. One was a musician, and one was a printer. These men were men of means and education. These were not ignorant men, but these were men that had the finances to support their cause, and these were men that had acquired an education. Yet they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing what the cost was. Uh, some say that Benjamin Franklin said, we must all indeed hang together, or most assuredly we shall all hang separately. The hunger for freedom for themselves and for future generations drove them to lay their lives on the line. Uh, five of these signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought uh, in the Revolutionary War and died from wounds or hardship. Uh, two lost their sons in the war and two others uh, had their sons captured. Uh, at least a dozen of these men had their homes pillaged and burned. 6,800 Americans were killed in action. 6,100 more were wounded in battle. And more than 20,000 were taken prisoner. 17,000 more deaths were the result of disease, including eight to 12,000 who died while prisoners of war. Uh, what I'm trying to say tonight is there is a cost for freedom. There's an old saying that says freedom 
freedom isn't free. Uh, it might be might seem free to you and to me, but there are some people uh, that were willing to lay it all on the line. These men uh, that made up their minds, I know I've got everything going right for me. I know it looks like I've got it all figured out, uh, but I'm just not happy until I experience my freedom. Uh, I'm not going to be satisfied until I know what it feels like uh, to experience freedom. Uh, not only for myself, but for future uh, generations. Not only uh, for my own benefit, but I want to see freedom uh, for my children uh, and my children's children. Uh, I want to tell somebody tonight in the house of the Lord, uh, there should be a desire on the, on the inside uh, of each and every one of us uh, that says not only do I want to be spiritually free, uh, but I want my sons uh, and I want my daughters to be free. Uh, I want my family to have freedom. Uh, I want my family to triumph uh, over the bondage of sin. Uh, I want there to be freedom in my life. Hallelujah. Freedom had a price. In our opening passage, in Isaiah we read words that should shake us to our core. In my personal study, on many occasions while studying and reading these verses, I have wept while reading these verses, thinking how a mother could forget her own child that she has held close to her bosom. Her own child that she brought in to this world. And it breaks my heart even further to hear as God had to admit that even a mother can forget her own child. That even a mother can toss her own children to the side and say I'm not really worried about that anymore. It doesn't really matter what happens to them. All I'm worried about is myself. And I'm sure that there's people here today under the sound of my voice. Maybe you have experienced the feeling of rejection from the ones that were supposed to love you the most. Maybe your mother said hey I don't have time or maybe your father said it's not really that important to me to stick around and to be around. Maybe those that were supposed to love you the most maybe those were the ones that hurt you the most. But I've got some good news for you today in the house of the Lord. There is a God that says it doesn't matter if everybody else forgets about you. I will not forget you. Not only will I not forget you it's impossible for me to forget you for I have raved you on the palm of my hands. <laughs> this does not mean that with some ink he merely drew your name, wrote your name on the palm of his hands. But this word engraved means literally to scratch or scrape. To cut as metal, stones, or other hard substances with a chisel or graver. To cut figures, uh, letters, or devices on stone or metal. To mark by incision. What God said was done to the palms of his hands was done by a very painful process. And every time he looks at his hands, he thinks of you and he thinks of me. His hands remind him of the price that he paid 
made for you. His hands remind him, hey, this isn't just a game. This isn't just something that I do just because, hey, but I paid a price that goes far beyond anything that has ever been done for you or for me. There is nobody else that was willing to lay down their life for me. There was nobody else that said, no matter the cost, I'm willing to pay the price. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Oh, I pray God help me to never take it for granted, the price that was paid for me. I pray that you would never take it for granted, the price that was paid for you. It says he was wounded for my sins. He was wounded for your sins. He was bruised because of my iniquities. And it was for my peace that he allowed himself to take those stripes upon his back. It was for my healing and for your healing. He said it doesn't matter what it costs. I'm willing to pay the price so that they can be delivered. I'm willing to pay the price so that they can experience freedom in their lives. I've come to tell you if you're bound up in your spirit tonight there's no reason why you should leave here tonight bound. It's God's desire to liberate you. It's God's God's desire to free you. It's God's will to bring you out of bondage. Jesus sat down and figured and counted up the cost. And after telling how much it would cost, He said, it's worth it. It's worth it for them to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. I know it's a terribly high price to pay. But something within said this is the only way for forgiveness of sins. This is the only way for remission of sins. This is the only way to give them peace. That's why Isaiah called him the Prince of Peace. That's why Isaiah said, I want to let you know this one that is coming, he's going to do some great things. He's going to do some awesome things. And all that he's going to suffer is going to be the bring you freedom and to bring you redemption and to bring you peace. Although he may have suffered and had no peace, he took all of that so that you and I could have peace of mind, so that you and I could lay our head on the pillow at night and know God has ransomed me. God has redeemed me. God has bought me with a price. Hallelujah. John chapter 19 verse 1 says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. That word scourge means to flog. 
A flog means to beat or strike with a rod or whip. To whip, to lash, to chastise with repeated blows. A word that is applied to whipping or beating for punishment. Here Jesus is brought before Pilate. And they flog him, they beat him, they whip him. Oh, they have no mercy on his body and the stripes that are laid across his back. The soldiers place a, a crown upon his head, but it's not a crown of gold. It's not a crown of any earthly value, but it's a crown of thorns. And they place it on his head, not to make him their Lord, not to make him their king, but to to mock him and to ridicule him and to make fun of him. Yeah, they take a purple robe and they put that kingly garment on him and they say, Hail, King of the Jews. But it's not anything meant in submission, but it's meant to mock and to make fun and to ridicule. Here stands the very God of glory and he's willing to take all of this. Why? Because he counted up the cost and said it's worth everything that I've got to go through. It's worth every suffering that I have to bear so that I can finish the work that I'm sitting out to do. I've come to tell you about a God that never quits. A God that never gives up. A God that goes all the way for you and me. There people cry how many could you picture this in your mind an innocent man compared to a murderer Barabbas and Pilate saying pick one choose one and they choose a murderer and they say away with Jesus crucify him crucify him let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Can you imagine the mental anguish, the emotional torment, knowing here stands the innocent God of glory. Never an ounce of guilt lay on Him. Never an ounce of sin in His life. Here He stands, hearing, give us Barabbas, but crucify Jesus. Here stands the one and the only that could pay the price for sin. Why was He willing to stay there? Why was He willing to hold His tongue when He could have called down angels to deliver Him and to free Him and to fight for Him? Can I tell you what it was? It was He was looking down the road and He realized there there will be no salvation without a sacrifice. There will be no redemption without my blood being shed. There will be no salvation unless I give myself. <laughs> and in John 19 and 16 says, Then delivered he him, therefore unto them, to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew in the Hebrew Golgotha, 
where they crucified him and two others with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. Verse 28 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Knowing, uh, know this, that Jesus, as he was hanging on that cross, he held on until he, know, until he knew that all things were now accomplished. He held on until he knew, hey, what I have come to do is being accomplished. And what I have come to do is being fulfilled. And what I have set out to do is now at hand to be fulfilled. And after he drank a little bit of the vinegar, he was able to lift up his voice and cry, It is finished. And when he cried, It is finished, he gave up the ghost. And I tell you here, when he died, the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, opening up an entranceway into the holies of holies, into that place where no one could go. But Jesus said, I'm making a way for you to feel my spirit. I'm making a way for you to experience me in all my glory. I wonder, would you set your hands up toward heaven all across this house? He said, I can't, I can't give it up until I know it's all accomplished. And that cry that rang forth, it said, this is, it is finished. And I tell you, it wasn't the end of all things, but it was the end of something old and the beginning of something new. Hey, in the Old Testament, that only one man, that high priest, could go once a year into the holies of holies. And there sat the mercy seat where the blood was sprinkled, where the blood was applied and said, I'm going to pass over you again. And I'm going to overlook your sins and your iniquities. And there the presence of the Lord was symbolized. But now Jesus is saying, baby, if you thought that was something, just wait till you see what I'm about to do. As he had his hand stretched out, he brought salvation to you and to me. He said, I'm willing to pay the price. Jesus said it doesn't matter what the cost is. If you need a lamb, I'll be the lamb. Even before the foundations of the world, I'll do it. I'll be the sacrifice. I'll pay the price. And there, now to that cross, If hell would have known what was really happening, 
Matter of fact, the Word of God even tells us if they had known what they was doing when they crucified him, God help me, Jesus, they would have never had him nailed to that cross. If the devil would have known what was going to happen on that cross, he would have never entered into the heart of Judas and told Judas to go on down there and betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Oh, and all the while it looked like it was over. And all the while, as his disciples scattered for fear of their lives, Jesus said, hey, you might think you're triumphing over me, but I'm about to have a victory like you ain't never seen before. I'm about to do a new work you ain't never seen before. I'm about to open up a gift. It's going to be free to you, but I'm going to pay the price. It's going to be free to me, but God paid the price. (laughs) Colossians 2 and 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I want to tell you here tonight, I want to stop long enough to tell you this. It doesn't matter what you're guilty of tonight. It doesn't matter what road you've walked down. The price that he paid said no matter what the sin is, it's paid in full. Can I tell you any trespass, any fault, any failure, any addiction, any sin, God said it's paid in full. Blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us. That's you, that's me which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Here hangs the King of kings and the Lord of lords on a cross. Oh, and if Satan, if he could have saw that as those nails were piercing Jesus' hands, that Jesus wasn't the only thing that was being nailed to that cross. But there were some laws that said, I can't come into the presence of the Lord. There were some laws that said, I wasn't good enough to be redeemed and to be purchased. But Jesus said, hey, while you're nailing me to this cross, you're going to nail up the handwritings, the ordinances that were against my people. Hey, Jesus said, it might look like you're winning, but in the end, I'm triumphing. I'm nailing it. I'm piercing it to the cross. <laughs> Those nails not only pierced his hands and held him to that cross, but the forward as those nails were being driven through his hands, there was some writing that was going on in the spirit. Jesus had already said 
in the Old Testament, he already told them, hey, I'm, I'm graving you on the palm of my hands. It hadn't happened at that moment yet, but in his foreknowledge, he already knew there's coming a time that your name is going to be driven on my hand. It's going to be incisioned on my hand. And can I tell you, every time he reaches for you, he's reminded of the price that he paid for you. Every time he deals with your heart, he's reminded of the price of the sacrifice that he paid for your freedom. I wonder how many times has God started to raise his hand in judgment then he sees the print in the hand and he remembers I paid too high a price I'm going to give him another chance I'm going to give him another opportunity I'm going to give him another space Jesus. Oh, God help us, Jesus, in this house. I wonder, would somebody throw your head up? Throw your head back, lift your eyes up toward heaven. I wonder, would you begin to lift your voice to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now? I want to remind somebody of the price that our dear God paid. I want to remind somebody, oh, it's easy to neglect the gift. It's easy to throw it to the side and say, well, it didn't cost me anything, but whoever purchased that gift for you, they know how much it cost. They know how much it meant to them. And can I tell you, although the gift of the Holy Ghost is free to you, it wasn't free to Jesus. He purchased it with his very blood. Galatians 1 and 3 and 4 says, Grace be to you in peace from God the Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this, this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Can I tell you that it's God's will to deliver you from the evil of this present world. It's God's will. Matter of fact, He gave Himself for my sin. He gave Himself for your sins. He said there's a price that's got to be paid. But I've already figured it up. I've already figured it up. Can I tell you, we live in an evil world that tries to demean and belittle everybody that it can. Tries to poke fun at everybody that it can. Tries to embarrass anyone that it can. Can I tell you, Satan would love no more than for you to walk around with your head hanging low, feeling worthless and feeling like there's no value to your life and feeling like there's no purpose. Jesus. But can I tell you about a God whose name is Jesus that he thought so much about you that when he figured it up and he said, Brother Clay is worth it. He's worth it. I'm willing to lay my life on the line. Satan says you're valueless but God says I'm willing to pay whatever price to redeem his soul. 
Jesus gave himself. He gave himself. What's it going to take to bring salvation? I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go to the cross. He submitted himself like a lamb dumb before a shearing. It'd be like it'd be like standing in your home armed with a weapon and an unarmed man walking up to you threatening you and you're laying down your arms and saying, here I am. He could have he resisted. But everything within him said, it's worth it. Everything within him said, I know it looks bad. But on the other side of Calvary, on the other side of the price that I'm going to pay, there's going to be somebody that's sick and tired of being sick and tired. There's going to be a man that gets tired of living the way he's been living. Gets tired of cheating. Gets tired of lying. Gets tired of fussing and fighting day in and day out. And he makes up his mind. I can have it better in the house of God. I can have it better in the presence of God. He knew there was going to be a woman that made up her mind. Hey, no matter what this world says about about me. There's a God that loves me. There's a God that paid it all for me. My wife would make her way to the music. Jesus counted the cost. He said it's worth it. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. That word author means that he is the beginning. He's writing it from scratch, from the very beginning. But not only does he get it started, but he's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew that he would suffer. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh to wealth among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus knew that he would suffer. Yet he was willing to robe himself in flesh. He came and dwelt among his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. Jesus knew that he would be rejected. He knew that he would be despised. He knew that he would have to feel the shame of sin as he hung on that cross because he became sin 
for you and for me. felt the shame a teenage girl that would have to tell mama I messed up he felt the shame of a young man mind being warped by the world I don't feel attracted to, to girls. said we're not we're not ready for responsibility of a child right now we need to put this off a couple more years I wonder would you begin to pray with me right now all across this house Pastor Mark, I'll tell you what my prayer's been being. I've been praying for conviction to fill the house. I've been praying for conviction to fall on every man, woman, boy, and girl. It's going to take that old time conviction that pricks us in our heart and says, I know I'm not where I need to be, God. I know I'm not doing everything I need to be doing. I want revival in my spirit. I want revival in my soul. Can I tell you, there was a terrible price that was paid. There was blood that was shed. It should have been me. It should have been you. It should have been us. But Jesus said, I'll take your place. He knew that some would reject him. He knew that some would put a crown on his head but not a crown of authority. (laughs) But in spite of all of this, Jesus tallied it up and He said, I've got enough to start it and I've got enough to finish it. I'm willing to pay the price. 
But can I tell you every time he looks at his hands, he's reminded, he's reminded of the price that he paid. Every time he stirs you in your sleep, he's reminded of the price that he paid for your soul. Every time he deals with you, he's reminded of the blood that he shed. His hands remind him. I'm talking to some young men tonight. I'm talking to some young ladies tonight. This isn't just a fairy tale. This isn't just a book of stories that we preach out of. This isn't just good moral teachings to live by if you want to. And maybe you'll have a better, more productive life. But can I tell you this? These are the words of eternal life. These are the words that tell you, you must be born again. You must receive that gift, that gift of the Holy Ghost. You must seek first the kingdom of God. Thomas, I want to preach to a Thomas tonight. I want to preach to a male Thomas, a female Thomas. I don't care what your name is. I'm going to call you Thomas. (laughs) Jesus, you were supposed to be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But they nailed you to a cross. I've seen him roll the stone in front of the tomb. He got it guarded. He's dead. And the rest of the disciples say, Thomas, we saw him. He was here today. Thomas said, except I see him for myself. Except I touched the scars in his hands. Thrust my hand in his side. I will not believe. And Jesus showed up in that shut room. He says, Thomas, behold my hand. Look at my hand. Jesus didn't come to condemn Thomas but he came and stretched out his hands and as Jesus looked at his hands I wonder if he Thomas if you look close enough you can see that I've engraved your name on my hand the price that I paid was for you I love you I love you every head bowed every eye closed all across this sanctuary I wonder would you begin to lift your voice lift your voice all across this house (laughs) oh we can preach a pretty Pentecost But the cold hard facts 
sometimes are cruel and gruesome when you think about the price that Jesus paid. <laughs> How many would lay down their life for a friend? Especially how many would lay down their life for an enemy. But Jesus said, whether you love me or hate me, it doesn't matter. I'm laying down my life for you. I'm laying down my life for you. I'm laying down my life for you. Come on, if you're waiting for me to finish, I'm finished. I pray that you would come down to this altar right now tonight. I pray for every young person to come down to this altar. Please don't hold back. Please don't hold back. Would you please come? Every young, young lady, every young man, would you come down to this altar tonight? Please, would you come? Would you come? If you're considered a part of this youth group, would you come? Especially you, would you come? Oh, God. Oh, God. There's no better night to sell out than tonight, right now. There's no reason for you to leave here bound up in your mind, bound up in your thinking. There's no reason for you to leave here tonight lukewarm. There's no reason for you to leave here tonight and let hell take you captive. Oh, but it's God's will that you reach out and say, God, I know that you've got a gift for me. It's going to liberate my soul. I know it's going to set me free. I know it might not cost me much, God, but you paid an awful lot for me. Would you come? Would you come? Come on, there ought to be some tears flowing in this place. I don't want to be another casualty of hell. I don't want to be another casualty of Satan. It says I deceived him. I deceived her. Hey, God thought they were worth saving, but I convinced them that there's nothing to them. There's no purpose to their life. There's no point in trying. on his hands remind him he's reaching for you tonight he's dealing with you tonight
Come on, if you're full of the Holy Ghost tonight, find somebody to pray for. Come on, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, find somebody to travail with. Find somebody to put your hands around. Come on, let them know God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. Come on, if you're praying, that's fine. Oh, but if you're just looking for something to do, come on, find somebody. Let them know God's got a plan for your future. God's got a plan for your life. We're not going to let hell have you. We're not going to let sin destroy you. Come on, there is redemption. The price has been paid. Come on, somebody needs to tell hell no tonight. Somebody needs to tell the destructive forces of sin. You can't have another one. You can't do it again. We're pleading the blood.